Hello, you're listening to Pride Life Presents, the podcast that brings you unfiltered and honest conversations with the most influential members of the LGBTQ plus community, hosted by me, Saski, Pride host, LGBTQ plus inclusion specialist consultant, celebrity interviewer, queer mentor and coach. Hey everyone, I'm Saski and welcome to the first ever Pride Life Presents, part of Pride Life Magazine's podcast. We are starting afresh, we are taking it to another level and I'm so excited to be hosting and thinking about all of my guests that I'm going to be chatting to and I'm very excited because the first guest to kick this off is the fabulous Eva Echo. Eva, how are you? Hi, I'm good, thank you. I'm so excited to be part of this. Oh, Eva, listen, um, we can't wait. We're so excited when you agreed to come on the podcast, you know, and just to say, um, you know, thank you. Thank you so much for your time because you do so much work, fabulous work at that. And I'm going to just read a bit of a bio because there's so many great things that you do. And I want to make sure that we really do it justice. So however you will be logging in to watch this um, or listen to it today, just to give you some background, Eva Echo is a trans and mental health activist who works tirelessly online. And I'm telling you, that is absolutely the truth. Uh, internationally, online and in her everyday job. After transitioning back in 2017, she has focused her energy into making positive change in the community and also is an individual that many look up to. You certainly are an absolute role model, Eva. You're also an ambassador for uh, London Transgender Surgery. You work as head of engagement for Birmingham Pride. We love a pride. And you also uh, work on the local scrutiny and involvement panel for the Crown Prosecution Service, which is working to identify hate crime and get the aggressors prosecuted. I mean, oh, my God, like, where do you find the time? <laughs> I think I wonder that myself. <laughs> but you're also recently, which I'm really excited to talk about as well, uh, recently started your own campaign, which is in collaboration with Unite UK. Big up to Unite UK, love them. And it's called Pass It On. And it's also a project that raises a conversation about trans self-acceptance. And I think something that is uh, many people don't take into consideration, you know, so many other issues um, that the trans community are dealing with and even, in, you know, independently, as I'm sure you'll mention yourself. But that is such a, such a, a, an important part for it. And lastly, but not least, before we move into actually our questions and our conversation, Whoop whoop, because you recently won a Diva Award for Unsung Hero. Yay! Thank you, yeah. <laughs> shock, to be honest, it's been a few weeks, but I'm still in shock. Ah, uh, well, I bet, listen, I was there, actually. I was there at the uh, Diva Awards. Um, yeah. Yeah, celebrating with everyone. I mean, amazing awards. And again, um, you know, a fantastic event. Thank you to Diva, Diva Magazine and, and also Linda Riley there for, for putting on these queer events, too. The thing I wanted to mention as well is, is, you know, just taking into consideration Unsung Hero, the amount of work that you do, you know, it was entirely deserved, uh, your acceptance speech. It just showed how humble you are and you were, or was it the wine, Eva? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but it did. It did. Um, just very quickly before I move into that, accepting that award and receiving that, how did that feel for you? I was so scared. Like, I, I went into it thinking, I've never been invited to anything like this before. I may never be invited to anything like this again. 
I'm just going to go with it. I'm just enjoy it. Don't worry about the award side of it. And when I won, it was the first time I've ever cried at hearing my own name, to be honest. Oh, and then I was like, yeah, I don't really know what to say. Um, I, I need to cobble some words together. And yeah, but I, I just, I've always been one to just say it how it is. So I just said it how it is, yeah. <laughs> well, clearly it's working for you either, isn't it? You know, so, uh... <laughs> and to be fair, I, you know, within our community, if you don't say it how it is, nothing's going to change. And that's so important, isn't it? You know, I mean, look, let's just let's just take it back. Let's take it back a bit because there is so much that I want to talk to you about. And, and um, hopefully we can fit it all in on today's session and chat. But, you know, first, let's just talk about, you know, your journey. Because um, everyone has the journey, don't they? They live the experiences. You know, let's just talk about, you know, your journey, you know, and kind of where that's brought you to today. Yeah, um, it's been a long journey. I mean, I'm, I came out when I was 37. I mean, that's like five years ago. So I'm no spring chicken. I'll put it that way. Um, You're looking on it, though. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> don't let any of this fool you at all. But yeah, I, I, can't, I, I knew, like, from quite a young age, I knew there was something different about me. I knew I didn't fit in with everyone at school. And I just I couldn't articulate why. I just knew that, you know, I wasn't... I wasn't supposed to be a boy. That's the only way I could describe it. And yeah, I mean, that's around the time that most kids are kind of starting to become self-aware. So for me, that was quite an awakening sort of moment. And it was when I was on holiday with my family, um, visiting relatives, and I basically just put a towel around myself and pretended it was a dress. Didn't know why, didn't know, you know, there was no intention behind it. It just happened. And yeah, from that moment, it was like something awoke inside of me. But then I knew that I shouldn't have those feelings. I knew they were that I was wrong to to to, be, to feel that way. So I basically just pushed everything right down. And I thought, okay, well, my mom and dad tell me I need to be like this. Kids in school were like this. So I thought, well, I'll just copy them and just go along with it. And yeah, I mean that that was that was back in school when I started secondary school and going through puberty. That was a difficult time. Just for the listeners, you know, as a as a trigger warning, I do touch on mental health issues as well so just be warned um but yeah puberty was a difficult time because I knew stuff was happening stuff was going to happen to me that was not in my control and I hated that knowing that my body was going to change and it wasn't in the way that I wanted it to knowing that I was forever going to be stuck like that um it just kind of pushed me to just shutting everything out more and more and I started with an eating disorder. I was bullied at school. I wasn't I wasn't having a good time, to be fair. And I just thought, well, let's just see what happens and try and be someone I'm supposed to be, whatever that is, whoever that is. Um, and it's just something that plagued me through my entire life, really. I never knew how to be in situations. I would always be a different version of me, thinking that's the one that's the one I can live with and hopefully see me through to the end of my life and I'll just go with second best really but I'd never really it never really took too well I'd end up having a complete meltdown because deep down I knew that wasn't me I knew that I couldn't keep doing that but after each meltdown I would like do something really stupid I would take it out myself self-harm was like was a big thing for me and There'd be times when, you know, I, I turn to suicide. Um, each time I would just have this complete meltdown and then 
I would rather wake up in hospital or wake up on the floor somewhere and pick myself up and I don't know, just reinvent another version of myself, thinking, well, that one clearly wasn't the one. I'll try and be this person. And I just became this chameleon. I was just mm. on the outside, I was I appeared to be someone, but on the inside I was just just empty. But music was a thing that allowed me to be expressive, and that's something that I've held on to ever since I was fairly young. And it kind of gave me that outlet as well. And it was actually when I was on a tour with um, a band from Canada five, six years ago, that for me was a turning point because I was sat on stage behind my drum kit every night and I'm thinking, people in the audience are seeing a version of me that's not authentic. They think they know me and I'm putting a version of me out there, but it's not the version I would want anybody to see. And being so visible like that, for the wrong reasons really got me down and it made me think and after the tour yeah I I had post-tour blues you know any musician will tell you that when you finish a tour you just want to be back out there back on stage but for me I didn't and I'm thinking why I've got this dream moment why aren't I happy and it dawned on me that yeah talking to people after shows meeting people it just didn't sit comfortably with me so I took that time Mm. out from music to really think about who I was and what was going on and had another few meltdowns along the way and I basically realized I have to come out I am trans I can't push this down a lot you know any longer because Mm. it was bubbling over you know it was at the point where I couldn't keep pushing all this down I couldn't keep waking up on a floor somewhere or having loved ones worried about me Mm. so I knew that if I didn't do something there and then my last the next meltdown would be my last one. And I came out and I thought, you know, what have I got to lose? Why not? I've tried everything else. Maybe this is the solution. This is the one thing. Um, I came out and I've never looked back. It's been a journey full of ups and downs. It's been so difficult, but it's been rewarding because not only have I come out and acknowledged who I am, I found family, a chosen family, because being someone who's never really got on with a biological family, I mean, we have no contact anymore, and it's been that way for a while. Having a chosen family and just being accepted into a part of something much bigger than me, it, it just felt amazing. And that's, you know, a lot of that has been a driving force behind me wanting to give back to this chosen family, wanting to help others, seeing the social injustice, seeing all the troubles that we go through, knowing that what I've gone through for most of my life and how it's taken a toll on its mental health, I wouldn't want the next generation or the generation after that to go through anything like that. If I can change it, if I can chip away, if I can help in any way, count me in. I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah. No, listen, and I appreciate you sharing that with me because, and and everyone, you know, uh, who will be listening today, because I know that it's not an easy journey. I mean, I'm part of the queer community myself, you know, I'm an out and proud lesbian. I also am a trans inclusion trainer with mermaids as well as others. So I know working with young people and adults that unfortunately, this is very much a very common kind of journey for many people, isn't it? Obviously, everyone's lived experience will be individual and personal to them. But there is definitely so many crossovers. Um, Unfortunately, um, you know, even when you're talking about chosen family and, and those feelings of not being able to be your true authentic self and, you know, 
just kind of living that that lie each time, you know. Um, and it does weigh you down. And, and you know, you said about the trigger warning for mental health, but actually I, I totally think it's important we talk about the impact of mental health, you know, because... I mean, ultimately, we're all on a spectrum somewhere with mental health anyway, regardless. Um, and anything can kind of trigger that at any point. But I think, you know, when you mentioned about mental health as well, a point I'd like to make is, and I'm sure you're, you're, um, you've heard this too, but often there's a stigma with mental health and the LGBTQ plus community, isn't there? That, you know, oh, if you are trans, if you are gay, if you are bi or non-binary, then you will have mental health issues. And I think it's important to say that, you know, even as the World Health Organization have confirmed, you know, uh, for example, gender dysphoria is not a mental health condition, you know, and they've said that, you know, for being lesbian, gay, bisexual is not a mental health condition because often I think people, you know, even though we do have high rates of mental health within our community, it's not because of our sexual orientation or gender, it's the impact of the journey, it's the impact of not, you know, homophobia, biphobia, transphobia, being told you're wrong, having to hide who you are. And I think we have to talk about that, you know, and we have to, you know, so... I encourage people to please do because, again, those lived experiences absolutely need to, you know, they need to be heard. Absolutely. I mean, we've recently had Mental Health Awareness Week. It's, you know, it's something that it shouldn't just just be confined to that week. It's 24-7, 365 days a year in the same way that we're queer all year. So, you know, it goes hand in hand. And what you're saying, yeah, is completely right. We, We suffer from mental health issues as a result of not being accepted, not being able to be who we are, being told that we have to be a certain way and trying to be squashed into a box that we, we won't ever fit into. And, you know, that, that mental health that trauma stays with us for life and we need to discuss it. We need to say, you know, it's part and parcel of it. Like everyone, even outside of the, the community, everyone suffers from mental health. Uh, issues at any point in their life and you know it's incredibly common but we also have to recognize that those from minority groups will experience you know an increased amount because of various intersections because of who they are yeah absolutely and again you know this is why we have to have these conversations isn't it people don't realize that and as say talk about intersectionality you know it isn't again other identities may that a person may have may also impact on you know the discrimination or prejudice they experience and again impact on that mental health so yeah yeah it's definitely something that needs needs to be spoken about um i think also you know interesting again you know with your journey and you know coming to that stage for you where you were thinking right you know, this is it now. I have to come out. I, I'm, I'm, you know, you're starting at the beginning of your transition and that journey uh, comes with many trials and tribulations in itself. You know, thinking about kind of where you're at now, what would you say maybe have been some of those highlights kind of throughout that journey? To, because now, before actually you answer that, Eva, think about this the person, the drummer on the stage that time you know, in Canada, now, and now you are either Echo winning awards, you know, you're an activist, campaigner, you know, you're getting all this recognition. Did you ever think that this would be the situation? Did you ever think we'd be sitting here chatting today, Eva? <laughs> Not at all. Um, I mean, to be fair, I never thought I would ever have the chance to come out. I always put an expiry date on myself and thought, okay, mm-hmm. if I hit that, I hit that. Um, so yeah, any anything beyond that now is is a bonus, and I'm really really grateful for that. And and because of the experiences I've been through, um, because of the the struggles uh, and everything I've also put myself through, 
I've learned to appreciate and to grasp each day and make the most of it. I know it sounds so it sounds so cheesy, but it's yeah, true. It's true. I, I'm with you. It is true. You have to. And I, when you go, sorry, just to say, when you go through such traumatic times, it does make you open your eyes and think, bloody hell, this is it now. I've got to appreciate it. So go on. Sorry. Yeah. Go on. It really is like, you know, coming out, this this weight was lifted from my shoulders and I thought for the first time I can see a future for myself. I can actually look forward to stuff. So yeah, it's it's been such an amazing journey, you know, overall. And yeah, definitely never thought I'd be doing anything like this. To be quite honest with you, when I first came out, I mean, even before I came out, I started writing a blog just to externalise my thoughts. And naively, I thought, no one's going to read a blog online. There are millions of blogs. Who's going to read mine? And people did, unfortunately. So, And that's allowed me to connect with so many more people. And it's made me realise, yeah, we, we all have this shared struggle, this fight that we all are part of, whether we want to or not. Mm. Um, and I just thought, okay, well, you know, I'll just have a, have a dabble. Let's just see what, what, what happens. Yeah. I'll help out where I can. <laughs> and then I'll just go back to me, go back to enjoying my life. Yeah. But then I'll tell you what, I am I'm a stubborn person and I'm too stubborn to let hate win. I'm too yes. stubborn to just let something go thinking may, maybe it'll happen. So I stuck with it and thought, you know what, no, I need to see this through and I might not see this change in my own lifetime, but I need to I need to make sure of this. So here I am, you know, years later, still going and I enjoy it. I enjoy trying to, I don't know, be an agitator, trying to challenge and push back against things. Mm. I see the world in a very different way. And I've known that from a very young age that I see it through a very intersectional lens. But the way my brain works and thinks about situations, I'm always one who's who's thought from outside of the box. So being able to offer that insight and be able to push people in various ways I actually enjoy because I know that that's where change comes from, being able to share that. So I'm happy to keep going, definitely. And we want you to keep going, Eva. Please keep going. Don't ever stop. Well, I say don't ever stop. Obviously, we want to bloody stop, don't we? You know what I mean? Like, we don't. (laughs) The idea is we all do this work, so it does stop. But we have to continue the greatness and and your greatness in, in that as well is really clearly, you know, impacting and changing lives. So, I hope, you know, that you do at least take that on board for yourself, you know, um, because you're obviously very a humble person, but, you know, know that even though, like, as you said in your speech, you know, I remember you said, you know, no, we don't do this kind of work waiting for people to, you know, to say, you know, congratulate us on, on the great work we're doing, but it's about, you know, just doing it for the pure, for the love of that as well. You know, you want to make that change. Yeah, it's, I never thought I'd be this visible. I knew that a certain element of visibility will come with coming out because you can't be trans and not be visible, really. It's not like, you know, sexuality where people can't really tell just by looking at you. Mm. To go from one extreme to the other, it's like you have to do that and you have to say, this is me, I am here. Mm. And I thought that would be it. I never thought I'd be visible in, in such a big way. And... A few days ago, someone actually spotted me and I still walk around with a face mask on sometimes because for me, it's safety. Um, I don't want to be outed. I don't want people to go, oh, it's a trans person and start having a go. So for me, it's an element, it's a shield. It's an element of safety. But someone recognised me even though I had a face mask on and they asked, 
are you Eva? Are you Eva Echo? And in my inside, I'm like, oh no, what do I say? <laughs> do I owe you money? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I've always answered it with, why? <laughs> Very tentative. Yeah, why? Why? <laughs> um, and she was like, oh, I follow you on social media. Like, I love what you're doing and keep on going. And I, I don't know. I struggle with that sort of thing. Even before I came out playing in a band, meeting people, I've always struggled with that because I just see it's, I don't know. I'm just doing my part, you know. It doesn't, it doesn't need anything extra. We all do our part and the world keeps on turning. So, yeah, I, I've always really struggled with that. And I think winning the award that night was a, such a shock for me. And I'm glad it was recorded. My speech was recorded because it was such a surreal blur that I would not have even remembered what had happened and with people coming up to me and talking to me and I think I was just like oh no I don't know what to do I'm just gonna make an absolute bum of myself if I say the wrong thing <laughs> well let me just clarify that you didn't do that you didn't you didn't <laughs> you was very graceful and you had a great speech and everyone was just so proud of, of the work that you did and and you know so so yeah be proud you know just to take that from me take that from us at pride life magazine be proud sister (laughs) and you know again it's 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 i mean this is the power of social media in so many ways isn't it obviously it's it's got the positives and the negative side to it but for you again it gives you the opportunity to be able to speak online speak up you know for others you know online and in your job as well and just in everyday life as you do I guess thinking about that, you know, and, and, you know, the concerns, unfortunately, about potentially, you know, people's reactions and, and transphobia in, you know, taking that into consideration, what kind of has been the reaction to that from people online or, you know, both or in general, I say online, you know, in, in, in general, whether that's within the community or, or outside of the, the trans community? Within the community, it's largely been good I mean don't get me wrong our community is far from perfect we all have a lot to do and because of our individual traumas and how we got to where we are unfortunately there is you know there are clashes there is a bit of a divide within the community but it's a case of kind of helping each other anyway not thinking well we don't see eye to eye on that so I'm just going to leave them to it we have to band together that's the only way that we can actually push forward because we're stronger together so it's being able to kind of rise up over that and go well you know what we don't see the trans experience in the same way and we shouldn't because you know we're all individuals but we shouldn't allow that to cloud our judgment we should still help each other because we're human we should still understand and recognize each other's struggles and platform each other help each other do whatever the hell we can because we're at a disadvantage to begin with and you know like outside of the community yeah there's a lot of hate don't go on twitter twitter is like oh oh it's like mom's net but with 140 characters it's just disgraceful (laughs) with you i know exactly yeah yeah you know i I found we have a lot of allies and i think it's important that we recognize that the trans community is you know in the uk approximately one percent of the uk population yeah but we have a lot of allies we have a lot of allies within the lgbtq plus community and outside of that we do have a lot of allies it's just unfortunate that there are those who are just gobby as hell and have a lot of time in their hands seemingly no profile picture which is a coincidence (laughs) and they just shout louder but just because they shout louder that doesn't mean there are more of them Mm. and it's knowing to just I don't know, just turn it off, switch off from it. 
they yeah. they say what they want because they know that without a profile picture, without a name, there's no comeback. But let's face it, these people aren't saying this to be challenged. They're not saying this so that they can be educated. They don't want to be educated. They're more stubborn than I am. So they just want to get out there and cause hurt. And it's recognising that there is no point wasting your energy on those people. There's no point even engaging. Just ignore it. And if anything, they want a rise out of you. So don't. If you just ignore them completely, that actually winds them up because you're not taking the bait. It's a case of picking and choosing your battles. You know, knowing where you can do good, where we all have a platform, we all have a privilege. And it's knowing what ours is individually and utilising that. That's where we can have the most benefit. But don't get me wrong. There have been occasions where I have challenged people and it's turned out really good. You know, they've become allies or those who don't become allies are able to take a step back and understand how how we are you know that we're not trans people are not out to be cisgender we're not out to try and overthrow cisgender people we're just trying to exist you know and once people understand we're not a threat and that we're not a fetish we don't choose to be this way it does open their eyes up and we just kind of you know we're equal we we leave that conversation that that engagement on equal footing because they no longer look down on us and those moments have been really really rewarding so it's good to put yourself out there sometimes but i would say to anyone don't do it if you don't feel safe if you don't have the right support networks because it is a risk and your own mental health your own well-being comes first more than yeah. anything yeah no i totally agree with you and and I mean, that is, like I say, the, the unfortunate side, the toxic side of, of social media. But you're right, it's, it's those keyboard warriors, isn't it? Yeah, the ones that are like, oh, I can say what I like behind here because no one can touch me. I'm unstoppable, darling. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's just ridiculous. And, you know, it's interesting just to touch on that as well because someone I was speaking to before, and I'm, again, you know, I'm obviously a, a, a trans ally and part of the community myself, you know, but... And, and as an ed- educator in that as well, there's often people who will say things to me that I think, what the hell do you get that information from? It's totally, like, incorrect, you know, unfactual, not true, and just whatever. And um, yeah, there'd be certain conversations about, you know, again, obviously trans, the trans community, trans women, and uh, was has been massive, um, you know, we talk about the con- conversion therapy ban as well. But in terms of, you know, there seems to be a lot more uproar about trans women than trans men obviously there's the wings that things are going off you know more with toilets with trans uh, with women's rights you know there's this whole you know raising women's rights business it just it just makes me well it obviously makes me very angry but it just makes me think where you know i had the conversation someone said yeah but um what if someone dresses up as a man and goes into the toilet you know i'm sure you've heard this rubbish nonsense goes into the toilet. i said hang on a minute let me just stop you I said, just to say, the Equality Act 2010 has been in place since 2010. <laughs> it, it, took, it, it includes gender reassignment. So any stage of a person's transition, um, they'll be protected under the Act. They can use any toilet, any changing rooms, you know, that they in terms of how they identify. And I said, and since 2010, can you give me information or factual evidence where there has been, not even a, as a, it's not about a trans woman, a person who has been, whether, you know, whether it has been a trans woman or whether it has been a non, you know, someone who's not a trans person who has dressed up in female clothes, who has gone into the toilet and said, 
um, no. Okay, so why are we having this conversation? And I said, where did you get this information from? Like, and they would say, oh, well, clearly we have different algorithms. <laughs> and I was just like, well, you know what? But that is the other frustrating thing, isn't it? People will go on, that is so true. What are you typing? What are you looking for? And it feeds off. And so there's so many, you know, it's not just the battles that you have to do on the daily basis. It's like, you know, it's a bigger fight than many people realise is what I'm trying yeah. to say. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I've heard that, the whole, you know, toilet situation. And when we talk about, like, you know, trans people in the media, let's be clear, it's always trans women. Um, and the reason for that is really simple, and that's misogyny, men. You know, that, that's where it's rooted. Mm. They see, gender-critical people see trans women as men because we were assigned male at birth. They don't see trans men, they never discuss trans men because... They yeah. still see them as female, as women. Um, so, you know, this this whole narrative of, we're, you know, it's a danger, trans women are trying to erase us, trying to take over. Mm. We're just trying to pee, you know. <laughs> Let's <laughs> not even try and, like, disguise it. We just want to pee. We just want to go. And if anything, <laughs> trans women in, in, in women's toilets, we're probably more scared of a potential situation embarrassment being spotted than yeah. anything we when you know a toilet door sign is not going to stop you during covid when all shops and like public places have arrows marking where you should stand in terms of distance which direction there was always an in and an out did people follow that no I don't think a sign on a toilet door is going to stop a race a rapist they're not going to be like you know what no, that's not me. I better not do that here. It's yeah. not going to stop them at all. And we need to just get real to that, wake up to that. It's just fear mongering at the end of the day. And it's yeah. all rooted in this idea that men are trying to take over. And I get that, you know, that that, that yeah. is a very valid fear because it's always been a man's world. And, you know, men are seen as physically stronger. Men can do this better. Look at the gender pay gap. Men get paid more, men have the board positions. So, yes, I get that. But trans women aren't doing this to switch sides for some sort of advantage. Toxic masculinity is not going to allow a man to transition to, you know, and, and claim to be transgender just so they can win a race. That mm. a toxic masculinity within them will not allow that. No. So mm. let's be realistic. It's it's fear-mongering, it's a narrative put out there with the sole purpose of erasing us so that we're no longer this perceived threat. Yeah. And the problem is, you know, they don't realise that trans people have been around for, for hundreds of years. And yeah. we, we only have to look at, you know, other cultures that have been, you know, more than two genders. It's just through colonialism or whitewashing through our history that the Western world has become a lot more binary as, as time's gone mm. on. Everything's black and white. Everything's man, woman, and yes or no. And our brains are no longer able to comprehend more than those two choices. Um, mm. But we exist. We've always been here. And we're not going anywhere. So stop with the fear-mongering. Stop with the toilet stories, and let's just get on with it. I know. I know. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it's, it's part of, you know catching normativity isn't it and that kind of assumption around where we're you know, just being male or female and you know and, and also people who are just heterosexual straight when obviously like you say we know everyone identifies that way but I think 
I think you've given me an idea. I could make quite a lot of money on this now because I think the hashtag T-shirt line should say, we just want to pee for the trans community. (laughs) I'll just take a small percentage and let's go. Even though everyone is watching and listening, you know, obviously, you know, Eva said it, but it was my idea, okay? (laughs) Let's do this. Okay, we'll go 50-50. I mean, it. But it is true. We just want to bloody pee. Come on, you know. So it's it's ridiculous. But uh, it's all because of a label. You know, we, we, yeah. we're a society that has learned that labels are harmful. We need to move away from labels. But the worst label you could ever give to someone is when they have literally just been born. A doctor assigns male or female. And then that's, you carry that for the rest of your life. And someone basically decides that your gender is going to match this because that's how it's always been done. Um, We follow these unwritten rules and let's just go for it. You know, that's just how it is. It's always been like that. Not broken. Don't fix it. But who said it wasn't ever broken from day one? So we need to push beyond those labels. Mm. And I always think instead of male or female, if we were simply assigned a code, instead based on i don't know our parents and whereabouts we were born if we try to change that code and the you know the letters or the numbers within that code would there be this uproar and i don't think there would be because it's it's, it's not so definite isn't it but change you know something like that if we're able to move away from that why can't we move away from this Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, this is, again, we could probably have another four podcast sessions about all of this, but uh, it is, it's it's what people choose to see, you know, think, you know, the media obviously, unfortunately, can play a, a big part in that. But you're right, you know, there's, there's, there's lots, simple tweaks, we don't have to have this, you know, let's move forward. And, and again, this brings me back to saying why the work that you're doing is so important, and, you know, really making positive change. And, you know, with that, I want to talk a bit more, if you can, about uh, your new campaign, Pass It On. Yeah. This is well, really great. It's actually something I started during lockdown because, well, we were all stuck behind screens. And I did a lot of thinking about how I perceived me, how I perceived femininity, expression. And I realised that much of my struggle has been this idea that I can't reach a certain standard. Because that standard for what a woman is, has been written and handed down from generation to generation. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking, why can't we just change that? You know, we don't even have to change it. We just broaden the definition and make it more inclusive. And I realised that it was having such um, a negative impact on the trans community. You know, we have these image standards to live up to, but they are cisgender image standards. Mm-hmm. Which is ironic because... Like, for example, trans women have, well, sorry, cisgender women have spent years moving away from a typical hourglass figure and, you know, certain image standards. Yeah. Yet trans women come out and it's like, hey, I'm going to be the next top model. Like, what? You know, <laughs> why, why are we held, holding ourselves to that, that sort of standard? Why are we being held to that sort of standard? So it, it was centered around this idea of passing, which for trans people is being perceived to be cisgender Mm. Um, and that's it that's it it's just a perception Um, yes it helps because it allows us to get from a to b with relative safety we don't get singled out we don't get picked on there's no fear of violence or assault or anything like that we can just blend in and crack on with life but beyond that 
it's just cisgender oppression. That's the only way I can describe it because we're having to live up to a certain standard. Yes, you can be trans, you've got to look cis. Well, is that not defeating the purpose of it? Um, and within the community as well, I noticed that there are those without much of a platform, without a voice, who who are getting left behind. And that's not fair because it's all down to privilege. Transitioning is down to privilege and a great set of genes. You could expose two people to the same amount of estrogen, for example, and you know one will develop more breast tissue than the other. It's just how it is. You know, we don't have to look at puberty in, in, in kids to know that nature's not perfect. We don't all develop the same way. Mm. So those that don't pass as well or aren't able to financially for whatever reason, they don't get seen. They might have a great message on their social media, but nobody listens to them if they don't have a blue tick or they might not fulfill a certain visual identity that is expected of them Mm. it's almost like they're forgotten about overlooked by a community and society so i created this campaign to kind of highlight that you know to push back against why are we holding ourselves and why are we allowing cisgender standards to be our definition how we need to see ourselves why can't we just be us and express ourselves the way we want to Mm. and it kind of got me thinking a lot more and I I moved beyond that and and I'm thinking, well, media doesn't help. The media could be a great ally. It can really help to get trans people out there and normalise who we are. And, you know, in in doing so, we'd be more accepted. But if the media only platforms trans people who look cisgender, what they're simply saying is it's okay to accept trans people as long as they look like cisgender people. And again, that's just counterproductive. We come in all shapes and sizes. Platform us all. Give everyone a chance. The more that we can be normalised and the quicker, the more that we can be accepted. And I, I see that, that acceptance as boring because when we're no longer splashed on the front page, when we're no longer trending because of a certain author who I'm not even going to name, we we're not even anything we're not seen as anything special. That's when we're accepted because you can then tell someone, oh, by the way, I'm trans. And the response is, so? You know, that that sort of level where it's just no longer an issue and we have a lot of work to do to get to that point. But taking tattoos as an example is possible. Mm. You know, tattoos never used to be accepted. And now yeah, they are. So let's, let's go for that. Let's go for that normal. Yeah, no, absolutely. And with um, so you've teamed up with uh, Unite UK on that as well. Is it something that people? I mean, can they join the campaign? Can they? Or how how can people kind of get involved or take from it more? Um, it started off as like just a month long campaign, and I just thought, well, why put an end date on that? If anyone wants to say anything. If anyone wants to use that platform, if they've got, any, you know, want to do a post and for it to appear on there, get in touch. You know, it's 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 that simple. It's not it's not a, a platform for me to share, you know, specific things. If other people have an idea on, on passing or they have any sort of comments or thoughts on how trans people fit into society or what they think the media can do more of to help us, mm. then you know get in touch and if you want to use the platform by all means you know it's it's there for people to express their thoughts if they don't have 
visibility or they feel that they don't have that platform. Most importantly, if they don't feel safe enough using their own platform for it. Yeah, and that's really great. And I'm sure it's, um, well, I know it's doing really well as, you know, in terms of the campaign anyway, but it's just so nice to know that there are those other platforms out there to give people a voice. And I also love, again, that you're using your platform to raise other people's voices up, you know, because you're, you're right, you know, I think when you said about the whole blue tick thing, we get quite focused on we have to follow those people. Not that they're not worthy of the blue ticks, don't get me wrong, but doesn't mean that there's many other people out there who may not have as many followers or are not still doing just as great work, you know, uh, or, or even good things um, that are important to hear about too. So um, it's, it's really it's really good and I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for it. So people do leave messages and, and comments and whatever you need to do to pass it on. Uh, see what I did there, Eva? Yeah, did I am. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about, and I, I hate to say it, but we have to because it's important. We have to talk about, you know, conversion therapy and, and the impact that's currently having on the trans community. You know, with the government's decision to exclude trans people from the ban of conversion therapy. I don't know who can get their head around that, but here we go. Um, for people who are listening, I'm just going to actually just give you an actual, uh, you know, a real definition so you've got a better idea of what that is. Because, again, again, surprisingly, many people were saying, oh, I didn't realise that still existed. I didn't realise. And I do understand if you're not in the community, if you're not in that world, of course, you know, we don't all live our lives as activists and, you know, we can't take that from people, you know, but... I was surprised, you know, myself when people were so like, oh, I thought they went out with the, you know, the art pages, you know. Anyway, here we are in 2022. So for those listeners, you know, just so you have an awareness, it's a so-called conversion therapy is the practice that attempts to suppress or change someone's sexuality or gender identity, which can be incredibly harmful uh, to the individual and often uses psychological and physical abuse. Furthermore, and I think this is really important to state, is that there are no robust evidence that actually suggests or confirms that the practice, you know, even achieves what it sets out to aim to do. And the issue that we're having now at the moment with the government is that they've decided to ban gay conversion therapy. However, gender identity conversion therapy has not been included in the ban. And since that decision, obviously there has been uproar, um, not just from the trans community, but other allies, you know, people who are just regular amazing human beings who don't agree with that but you know the practice has been condemned also by many including the British Medical Association, uh, UK Council for Psychotherapy, the British Psychological Society, MIND and also the Royal College of Psychiatrists, Psychiatrists rather so you know again there's many people who are absolutely against this. Obviously as a trans person yourself what would have been your kind of initial thoughts when the government announced that you know it wasn't going to include trans conversion therapy. You know, I, I would love to say I was shocked, but mm. given how our government have behaved, um, I mean, 12 years of a Tory government, I've, I knew there's a part of me deep down, I knew they would try something like this. And yeah, I was more upset that they hijacked trans day visibility for this, you know, this supposed leak. And then a few days, four days later, the EHRC drops its guidance, um, yeah. its guidance on single-sex spaces and things like that. And it just felt like one punch after another. We can't even have a day where we can raise awareness, celebrate each other or how far we've come. Mm. We are constantly fighting. And 
you know, we, we, the government is supposed to be there to, to help us, to protect us, and to be excluded as a group. It's like the government are basically saying, you don't, you don't matter. Yeah. And it's so dangerous as well, because like you, you said, you know, gay conversion therapy, oh no, that's disgraceful. You know, it's, it's abhorrent. It's, there's no place in that, in our society for, for that sort of practice. Mm. Trans people. Oh yeah, go for it. You know, and, and you're bas- they're basically saying there is something inherently wrong with trans people. They can be fixed. The, yeah. because the fact that they are trans is an issue, and it's an issue that we need to address. We need to correct. We need to fix. We need to stamp it out of our society. So this exclusion is is a way of stamping out trans people, not this harmful practice, which is which is torturous because. You can't change a person. You can't force a left-handed person to be right-handed. And, you know, it's just how the person is. And it sets a very dangerous precedent as well by by writing into legislation that, you know, this is disgraceful. This is just, there's no need for this sort of behaviour. But these people are okay to be excluded. What other minority groups can be excluded from legislation in the future? You know, mm-hmm. if they start with this, other groups are at risk as well. So, you know, you only have to look at migra- um, immigration and things like that, that mm-hmm. during the Ukraine war, you know, the country welcomed, you know, refugees, absolutely fine. But let's look at, you know, other situations as well, refugees of other colours, they're frowned upon. It's like, oh, no, you know, the whole Brexit thing was fought around immigration. And, yeah, it just... It creates divide within our country. And, you know, in this case, trans people are that clickbait. We are that that kind of character, kind of get people on their side. But no, we need to we need to get rid of it. If if it's disgusting, if it's dangerous, if it's harmful, it's harmful for everybody. You can't decide that, oh, it's not harmful for them. And the thing that really annoys me that is that they're saying that for trans people. It's not illegal if they consent to it. And that yes, a trans person can consent to be fixed. And that the wording that they've carefully used is that they need to give consideration to talking therapy. Um, well, you know, before I got an official diagnosis of gender dysphoria, yeah. I spent years in therapy. I've had CBT, I've had psychotherapy. I've done a lot of talking and given the NHS waiting times for first appointment are measured in years, there's even more time for talking and thinking about it. So enough with the talking, just ban it. We know who we are. We don't need to be fixed. We don't need an attempt to be fixed first. And I think it's very dangerous that family members can coerce trans youths, for example, into seeking conversion therapy. And by doing so, giving consent to being put through that horrible, horrible process. And for youngsters who are below the age of consent, parents can consent on their behalf. So it, it leaves the door open for a lot of loopholes and a lot of a lot of harm for people. Mm. I mean, it, it's just, as you say, you know, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable, but it is scary because, you know, it's, it's like we're going backwards again, isn't it? You know, we, we still see the impact of Section 28 uh, in schools, you know, uh, how you know, years later, uh, in terms of when we think about homophobia, biphobia, transphobia, bullying in schools, 
Um, so we know, you know, we know the devastating effects of those crazy decisions that governments have made um, and the impact that it has on people's lives. And it's just important to, I think, you know, it, well, not even important, but the thing that's frustrating, I guess, is is people who are making those decisions are certainly not from the trans community. And often when people are like, you know, because we always come up against people that want to challenge these conversations in, in our line of work, don't we? But I always say, you know, do you know any trans people? Are you friends with them? Or is it just something you've seen or read online? Or do you know what I mean? And it's like, well, no, I don't. I don't know a trans person. And, and you know, don't get me wrong, there may well be people who do know trans people that still agree with it. But it's just frustrating. It's like we, we people should have more of a, of a say, obviously, you know? Yeah, we, it really does feel like we're going backwards. And like I said about Section 28, we know how that happened. We yeah. know the harm it caused. And yeah. that was about, you know, uh, the education and, and awareness of, of gay, gay people, uh, for example. So uh, suppressing the teaching and awareness of, of gay people, lesbians, that didn't stop people from being gay. Yeah, exactly. so it, it, it's not going to stop it and and i think if anything that showed that it didn't work yeah and everything that the trans community is going through right now is just that repackaged with a you know different bow on it trying mm-hmm. to repeat history thinking oh maybe it'll work with trans people we can stop that but when we look at the statistics when it comes to people detransitioning they are less than one percent of the trans community and who are already one percent of the population. So they're less than one percent of one percent. And many detransition not because they regret it, not because they were coerced into it. They would they detransition because of social stigma that they didn't have the support. They didn't want to be bullied for it. They didn't, you know, their families disapproved. Quite a lot of them then go on to retransition later on in life. So mm. it's not something that can be fixed. And the government just needs to recognise that. Talk to trans people, talk to families of trans people, talk to allies. Don't talk to and stop listening to those gender critics who haven't got a damn clue about trans people. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, a good point you make there as well is that, you know, ultimately people are we saying now that what people can't change their mind you know it's like you know even if you do even though it's only a small percentage you know um of people from the trans community but at the same time you know i know many people who said for you know they were for years they were gay or they were trans uh, not trans well actually they were lesbian or whatever they were being in terms of their sexuality and then now they're they're in you know heterosexual relationships married kids you know and so it's like well hang on a minute you know, you've already said, <laughs> you said that was how you, you know, and but that's just it, isn't it? What are we saying now? People can't change their mind or people haven't got that right to go on that journey. You know, we're all somewhere. Some of us are fixed. Some of us may be fluid and some of us can change or may change at a later stage of our lives. And that's perfectly okay. You know, and I mean, that, look, as it stands, you know, as we know, it doesn't look like the government have got any plans, um, you know, to change their decision. You know, do you think, I know we've kind of just kind of covered it a bit, but do you think there's any any reasons in particular, you know, from the government side in terms of this, you know, lack of action towards trans-conversion therapy? Listening to the wrong people, that's, that's definitely something that yeah. has been a huge influence on their decision. But also studies, it's all based on fear. And the thing is, yeah. nobody knows why gender dysphoria exists. Nobody knows why 
there are trans people. So yeah, we need more awareness and we need more, you know, we need to break open the studies and actually look at gender dysphoria to gain a real understanding of that. And yes, it's great that the World Health Organization declassified it two years ago as no longer being a mental health issue. It's now seen as a medical issue. So let's look at it from a medical point of view. There have been a few studies out there that have been quite compelling, in, um, but nothing concrete. And the one that always springs to mind is um, a, a team looked at brain activity and they looked at the brain activity of trans women and found that it is virtually the same as the brain activity of a cisgender woman and the same with a cisgender man and a trans man. So, you know, th- those are the beginnings of understanding the mind and how it works and also looking at things like hormonal imbalance because another study suggests that a huge influx of hormones at embryo stage causes the body to develop one way and the brain to develop another way so there are you know these things floating around nothing concrete but why not carry on why not find that understanding commit so doing more work and more research in that area so that we can finally put the issues to bed and say, you know what, trans women are women and here is the reason why. We might not ever get that, but to say that they've actually tried means a lot more because it shows they're willing to do what they can to understand us. And with so little you know, fact out there, you know, we, we need as much people helping to push the message and to help people understand us as possible yeah no it's so true and, and actually I mean I know why but again you know there's no research going on to say why are people cisgender why are people straight you know so it's like um ultimately are trans people running around as crazed criminals uh no do you know what I mean it's like what is this I mean well I mean look, again we know we know it's all about you know scaremongering propaganda you know and everything else on that line um but you know but it is important again to think about you talked about a lot about young people as well and the impact on young people especially with you know the dangers of the impact of that ban I guess there'll be trans kids in schools that are probably already being bullied that other kids would have heard that about the ban you know and 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 that would just have an even more of a negative impact on their daily lives um and people don't realize you know you talked about mental health as well they don't realize how much this really impacts uh not just on young lgbtq plus people um you know like all of this type of bullying and the negative attention you know but it really does have the impact on mental health um there as well um do you think you know what would you sort of think would be important or why do you think it's especially dangerous for young trans people yourself because when i was younger um I thought I could be fixed. I thought there was something wrong with me because I couldn't I couldn't be like everybody around me. And mm. I subscribed to this notion that we're all the same. We behave the same way. You know, you're all supposed, all boys are supposed to be like blue or girls are supposed to like pink and all that that I now recognise as utter crap. It's just, yeah. it's just rubbish. And at that stage in our lives, it's, it's the beginning of who we are as we find our place and our identities. And if we can allow people to understand that they are accepted and they can have a nurturing environment to allow them to explore who they are, that will drastically reduce mental health issues going on in life. And, 
you know, if we can nip it in the bud, great, that's the starting point. Um, when it comes to puberty, puberty is non-reversal. Um, so, you know, you can't, for example, if someone's been exposed to testosterone, you know, it's yeah. a one-way street. You can't go back on that. So it, puberty in itself is so it's such a traumatic time for trans youths because they know it's happening. They know it's going to happen. So if we can figure it out and help them, and if it means puberty blockers to delay that and allow them that time to, to think and make that decision, then that's great. But we need to be doing more. We need to be listening to kids. Kids are a lot more switched on than adults give them credit for. Yeah. Um, so we need to listen to them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and you, you know, again, touched on the importance of, you know, yeah, what can people do to help? And, and I do, again, you know, in the work that I do with young people from the queer community and trans youth as well, you know, that is a puberty blockers. Well, it's literally almost in many ways going to save a life, you know, because it's like you're going through puberty in a body that you don't identify with. And, you know, for, you know, trans boys having to go through periods every month, you know, trans girls, facial hair and their bodies are changing, like you say, like, and you don't have control over that. But yet someone is making that decision for you as to say, well, it's sorry, but this is just how it is. And, you know, again, this is that long term uh, negative impact that it has. And it really doesn't have to kind of be that way, does it? You know, so, I mean, what do you think? I mean, do you think how do you think the news will kind of impact those young people's experiences as well? Do you think I know we've we've talked about, you know, the length and, and the impacts physically, but I guess this stuff has an impact also on your your your, your life in terms of your career your future like what do you do because you've constantly had all these barriers and you're told no you're wrong it you know it's just a blockade against them isn't it yeah um we've had to fight for everything that we have now as you know for example as trans adults um we've had to really prove ourselves and we shouldn't have to do that we're all equal and when it comes to trans youths we need to say to them look let's do this together, we'll, we'll support you. And I know there's a lot of fear-mongering out there about puberty blockers and things you're being used off-label, um, harmful side effects, puberty blockers, you know, are, are permanent, they, they kind of have detrimental effects in the long run. You know what? Even if they did have harmful side effects, such as bone density, and I'm not saying that, you know, that is the case, I'm saying yeah. if. Yeah. I'd rather have that and be alive. Yeah. I, I would rather take any side effects and still be me, the real authentic me, than not. Because yeah. otherwise I would I would just would have taken my life sooner. So we need to listen to these trans youths. We need to listen to the actual experts out there, not, you know, your Auntie Barbara on Facebook who's heard it off someone else <laughs> or anything like that. Or or even so-called, you know groups who who claim to look after the rights of of cisgender women no listen to the actual experts the ones who have have really spent years and years in their field listen to them mm. absolutely no i totally agree and listen to the people who are going through it you know listen mm. to the community i'm conscious of time even but i've got some more questions that i want to ask you because it's so interesting and so you know I just it's, it's, well, it's what I'm all about I love these types of chats and conversation you're obviously fabulous so I just want to talk to you about a bit more on you know the side of kind of politics still almost um you know your work around uh, your campaign work around um 
you know, with the NHS and the and the the High Court legal challenge against the NHS England. Do you want to just quickly tell us a bit more about that? Yeah. So currently in England, there are I'd say at least twenty thousand patients waiting for a first appointment for a gender clinic. Yeah. Uh, NHS legislation states that from the moment a GP refers you, you should have your first appointment within 18 weeks. Yeah. Uh, and currently for trans people, that's measured in years. I've been waiting for about four and a half years, nearly, and I still haven't had my first appointment. Mm. And even when I get my first appointment, I have to be assessed. I've had to, you know, then go through various independent assessments in order for someone to say yes you are trans you may now proceed to treatment treatment can be 20 24 months after your first appointment so you know we're we're talking years the best part of 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 a decade just to be who you are just to feel comfortable in your own body and that you know that that delay is also affecting trans users as well because they have a limited window when it comes to accessing puberty blockers and for them to be effective and yeah. currently the nhs delays in the waiting times to get a first appointment mean that we, we we are causing them to feel distressed because they're missing that important window for puberty yeah. blockers to, uh, to to be effective so i got involved with a campaign and legal action working with the good law project and three other claimants, taking the NHS uh, NHS England to the High Court for a judicial review. What they're doing and, and allowing trans patients to wait so long without any support when no other area is really you know, measured in years in, in this way. Not doing enough to support us is unlawful. Um, mm. And we're putting it for a High Court judge to, to kind of review it, basically. Um, and we recently had our High Court case allowed in court so we're just waiting for a hearing date now so it's it's been fantastic and you know given the background of the conversion therapy scenario um all the hate that we get um in the in the media online this is you know a huge huge step a monumental step for the trans community both Mm -hmm. adults and youths so i'm hoping you know it's, it's it comes across as positive for for those that hear about it that Yes, you're waiting years now, but we, you know there are people working to actively challenge that um, mm. and to actually do something about it. I listen. Um, hats off to you again because you know it's so. Again, people. This is this is part of what I would always talk about in my training as well. You know, people, the myth busters. People assume a young trans person they come out and the next minute they're whipped off to a gender identity clinic. They're given the hormones, they're having surgery, and it all happens so quick without any thought or anything. And I'm like, no, listen. You know, somewhere anywhere between what twenty four to twenty eight months, up to three years for the first one in for young people. Then going into up to five years and up beyond for adults. I mean, you know, I always make the point. I say, you know, when you don't feel very well and you need to go to get an appointment for the GP and they say, oh, sorry, you've nothing this week, call back tomorrow, call back, you know, how frustrating and how you how that makes you feel. That is a very, that's not even touching, you know, the surface of how it will feel waiting for that appointment and the importance of, you know, uh, and by no means when I say that, obviously I'm not down playing, waiting to, you know, to be seen at a gender identity, but I want people to just, just think the reality of this and how, how you know how much you take for granted on a daily basis um that you haven't got to you know go through this process and and hence why you know having the support whilst you're on that journey is so important particularly yeah. in regards to mental health as well as self-esteem and you know as you know you know yeah. 
you know, so also, so yeah, I'm so happy that you're doing it. And, and I just say as well, you know, congratulations. When, and I say congratulations on the fact that you're making the progress. I know we've still got the way to go, but good luck with that. So we'll all be pleased to let us know how, how that all goes as well. Um, working with kind of uh, young people as well, or even as you are such a positive role model, you know, what would you say to, to young people who maybe, you know, they're seeing all this unfold, we're seeing all this about the transit, but unfortunately the trans community are not getting the positive light they deserve. But yet we still have to move forward. We still want to be role models and, and give them confidence and empowerment. You know, what would you say to those young trans people and adults, though, who may be at any stage of their journey to give them that confidence? I guess the one thing I would say is, you know who you are. That's enough. You know, you don't have to justify. You don't have to convince someone. You shouldn't have to do that. So believe in yourself and believe in how you feel about yourself. And if you're not sure, if it's not a definite decision, that's fine as well. You know, we we go on this journey of discovery and when we have gender dysphoria and if we choose to transition, it's not just the physical transition. It's a very spiritual, mental journey as well. So allow yourself that time and don't listen to anybody else. Just be your own kind of beautiful and just follow what you feel is right for you, not what is right for other people. And and make the most of it, you know. It's it's just we're all here to to make the most of of this life that we've got on this rock. So yeah, make the most of it, and don't listen to the haters, and don't go on Twitter. <laughs> don't go on Twitter. Yeah, don't forget hashtag. I just want to pee. <laughs> um, no, absolutely. I, I couldn't have said it any better, to be honest. And, and you know, just before we kind of you know wrap up for for our first um for our first session uh, with pride life presents which has been very exciting and, and i've loved chatting with you eva tell me a bit more about you know all the work that you do the highs and the lows it's very draining emotionally it's tiring what what motivates you to keep going i think seeing little elements of change coming through that mm-hmm. that is a huge motivator for me because times when I get down I, I see those little bits of change and I think it's happening we've come a long way in the time that I've been out I've seen a huge shift on social media for example more more trans people are, are being visible on social media so we are heading in the right direction and we just have to have faith that that will continue I have a great support network um, my best friend um, my wife my dog my, my little dog boomer who everyone knows on Instagram he's he's also proof that you know just it's having support and to having people love you having your pets love you it's that that feeling that you're part of something and don't forget part of the the wider chosen family as well Mm. lean on that energy absorb that energy and don't be afraid to surround yourself in that and throw yourself in that if you need to recharge and if sometimes things get too bad switch off from it it's social media you can put your phone down and i think we sometimes think we can't and we can we really can and put yourself first that's the most important thing put yourself first if you need to take that time out but for me just knowing that change is going to happen that i can do something is is what keeps me going yeah and listen you better own it girl because you are doing so much and you are doing such amazing work and just, uh, you know, keep keep it up, you know. And I know, as I say, we all work towards this day where we don't have to do this anymore. But in the meantime, just keep being that trailblazer um, because, you know, you, you really are making a massive difference um, yeah, within the trans community and outside of it. So I'm going to salute you. 
uh, hats off to you and, and think you're fabulous. And, and listen, thank you again for joining me on, on our very first Pride Life podcast, you know, for Pride Life magazine. We're really excited to launch it and I can't, can't wait to hear it go live. And I'm so happy that you were our first guest Aww, on the show. Thank you for having me. And it's an absolute honour to be the first guest on the podcast. Absolutely. Listen, I want to hear you next time coming back about all the all the changes and everything else as well. But for now, you have been listening to myself, Saski, but more importantly, the wise words of Eva Echo. Thanks for listening to the Pride Life podcast with me, Saski, and my special guest. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and found something useful or empowering to take away, or maybe even both. To find out more, visit www.pridelifeglobal.com where you can find all our digital editions to the UK's leading LGBTQ plus magazine, plus much more. Or keep up to date by following us on Instagram at Pride Life Global. Thank you.